0: Welcome to Scrub Chat, a podcast of sharing stories by veterinary professionals for veterinary professionals. I'm your host, Kim Farina, a veterinarian, a writer, I've worked in the animal health industry, and prior to that, I was an MTV journalist and a radio personality. Yes, my career has taken me in lots of different directions. In each episode of Scrub Chat, I sit down and chat with a veterinarian or technician so they can share their own directions what's worked, what hasn't, and how they've made it all fit. Thank you for joining me as we explore veterinary medicine combined with all the other aspects of our lives. Zoetis has generously created these podcasts to help support this incredible profession. Today, we have the opportunity to chat with Dr. Kara Horowitz, a board-certified internal medicine specialist currently working in Philadelphia. I've been looking forward to this chat for a very long time because you appear to be a superhero with this incredible ability to navigate work-life integration. I mean, it's such a struggle for so many people, so I can't wait to chat with you. About this. So, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Thank you. I'm very happy to be here.
0: Did you always want to be a veterinarian? So, no, actually. Um,
1: I always loved animals, um, and animals really took a special part of my life. Um, not to give too much information, but um, my dad passed away when I was young, and um, not as a replacement for him, but um, my mom got us two dogs. Um, not at the same time, but um, they became a huge part of growing up. They sort of filled a little bit of a void in my life as a child, and gosh, that that childhood affection for animals really took hold around that point. From then on, you know, I think animals have done so much for me emotionally and just being a part of my life ever since then I always loved animals and but I I didn't put it together that I wanted to be a vet probably until college I was um I was pre-med I liked science but I wasn't quite sure what direction I wanted to go and then just sort of around junior year it sort of started to click and it was a little late for me because I I probably um you know, there's so much to do in preparation to become a veterinarian. Thankfully, being a pre-med, I was taking all of the right courses and stuff, but I, I didn't quite have all of the experience I needed. So I had to catch up on that. It, it definitely yeah, clicked around there. And, and from then on, I, I kind of once I, I found that as a direction for my career, I kind of knew that was it. And and I didn't really look at anything else to do.
0: And speaking of your undergraduate studies at, at Georgetown, I learned that your minor was in psychology. Yes. What was going on there? I, th- I think
1: psychology is really cool and I still do. I'm fascinated by, by certain aspects of it. I, you know, I think that um, learning about psychology and learning about the ways people think and approach things is amazing. It was, it was interesting. So it was, it was really just, I was sort of testing the waters, you know, didn't fit into the regular Uh, pre-med, you know, course, courses that you had to take. Um, But I
0: really enjoyed it. Do you think your studies in psychology help you practice better veterinary medicine? Maybe subconsciously. There's a lot of things
1: that I don't remember about psychology from from college a long time ago. I definitely think being a good psychologist would help a veterinarian out
0: you obtained your DVM degree from the Cummings School of Veterinary Medicine at Tufts, which is out of the city in North Grafton, Massachusetts. So did the hustle and bustle of the city call you back? You know, you were at Georgetown, you know, you're in Philadelphia. and that's why you headed to the AMC to complete your internship and residency. Was it like, come <laughs> back to the city, Kara? Yes. Come back.
1: Um, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. I I loved Grafton. It was majestic. And I still think it is. It's gosh, the there were... There's this huge field next to the veterinary hospital um, where pe- we would just go for walks, uh, study breaks with our animals. It was beautiful, gosh, the, the land out there. And that's one of the things that attracted me to it. In addition to it's a great school. I really enjoyed going there. By the end, oh, my gosh, I needed to be in a city again. I, <laughs> I was dying. There were, I mean, I remember times during vet school, the big story on the local news was a cow had escaped from the local farm and was wandering down one of the main streets. So it was, uh, I was, I needed a refreshment on my urban skills. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what experiences did you have there? What did you learn at AMC? Oh my gosh, I
1: learned everything. It it was an amazing experience. I mean, uh, it's such a... It's, I think it was great for me. There's a lot of different kinds, I think, of internships and residencies that you can do. Some of them, you know, we usually say academia versus private practice. And AMC to me was sort of the best of both worlds. It's very academic oriented where she's not there anymore. But Dr. Kathy Langston, who's like a very well-known nephrologist who's now at, now at the Ohio State University, she was one of my great mentors and she publishes so much. And then Chick Weiss and Alison Brent came near the end of my residency and they're so academically oriented. So, and we had, um, you know, a lot of didactic rounds there, but there was also what I, I think I needed was it's such a busy hospital and it just gives you so much experience. And you see so many cases that, you know, by your internship, you know, I came out of vet school and I, I don't think I was one of these people that just clinically new. I was very book smart, but I just, I think that if I had gone off to private practice personally without doing an internship, I think that would have been really hard for me. And so kind of going into AMC, which was so busy, you saw so many cases and just having that experience of seeing them repeatedly, knowing how to treat certain cases, that was really healthy for me, sort of learning by doing, but also we had daily lectures. um, So it was an integrated process. So it was great.
0: And after the residency at uh, Animal Medical Center, did you start immediately at the veterinary specialty and emergency center in Philadelphia where you are now? It was
1: my first job. The hospital actually did not get built on time. And so I actually ended up working in the emergency service in Levittown for a while before I could start as an internist in Philly. So you were just like, I'll do anything. (laughs) Just get me back in the the scene. One of the directors of VSEC basically said, well, you can work on the emergency service. And I said, sure, anything. I just need to keep my brain moving. And so I started, uh, I think it was the end of October,
0: early November. So that's all brewing on the career side of your life. I know you have children. How did that come into play? Would you advise, you know, wait and have your children after all your schooling or do you recommend nope, you got to just do it earlier? Do you have any advice for them in terms of timing?
1: I think there's no right answer there, to be very honest. I don't think there's any way to do it well when you're when you're in a high intensity career or you're training for a high intensity career. I think there's ways to look back on it and have regrets no matter how you look at it, but there's also ways to look back at it positively.
0: Yeah. And it's almost like you're saying you can't give specific advice, you know, if you want a family, a spouse, a career, you just have to kind of do what you feel is right and what's most comfortable.
1: Exactly. And I mean, I think, you know, everyone just sort of figures out what works for them in life? I also knew I had career ambitions. And so at that point in my life, sort of my my personal life went to the side. And then I feel like I had to wait a little, but it was fine. And then I sort of put my career not to the side, but it took a little bit of a step back and and family became a little more important at that point.
0: Well, when you're talking about stepping, you know your personal life taking a step back, do you feel, Kara, that you've made sacrifices in your life? I think anyone who's been in
1: veterinary school would would say that um, veterinary school is, and I'm sure it's the same for medical school or you know, a lot of professional schools. it was all time consuming. I, I definitely feel that personal life took a huge step back for that.
0: Yeah, let's let's talk about that further. Let's let's unpack that because you have two children. I also understand you have a Boston Terrier. So of course, my question would be, who requires more time, the children or the Boston Terrier? Because you got a brachycephalic breed there. So I like to say I
1: have three children. She is my daughter. Um, my husband likes to to try and. Um, make me choose between them, which I refuse to do. He says, if your children and your dog were hanging off a cliff and you could just choose one. And I say, I, I would throw myself off the cliff because I would never <laughs> want to choose because I love them all so much, but everyone gets along. And I, I feel like it's having the children at first, I think she did feel a little neglected, but now it's just more, more friends to play with, which is nice.
0: But Kara, yeah, the children require time and energy. The dog requires time and energy. The your husband requires some time and energy. How do you raise children, be married and work as an internist all in one person? How does that all work? I mean, I I think
1: I don't think there's anything special about me. I think there's a lot of um really amazing men and women out there that have to manage it. Sometimes my husband and I look at each other and we say how do people do this? Cuz I I don't, you know, I I think it's rough. (laughs) It's rough. Um, I don't want to come out here and say I have it all together because I totally don't. I think it's really hard. There are definitely some weeks where, you know, doing internal medicine, I'm managing hospitalized cases and inevitably I'm trying to walk out the door at like 6.30 after getting phone calls done and an inpatient's crashing and I can't leave that to the overnight doctor it's not fair and so I have to get involved or an owner's visiting late and they want to talk to me and so there are some nights where I get home and I, I don't see my kids before they go to bed and it's it's heartbreaking and sometimes I get very upset about it but at the same time I want my kids to <clears throat> personally I want my kids to know that they have a mom who worked hard for her degree and that she, you know, she's independent and she is, you know, happy with having a career of her own outside of being a mom. As a specialist, I do work less days of the week. Um, they're really long days, but then I get the weekends to recover, but also to to get to spend with my children. So I don't think I have an easy answer. It's it's very hard. And I think, um, you know, especially having young children, there's just, there's no way to, to not have guilt. I, I definitely have moments where I feel that my professional career is suffering because I want to spend more time with my children. And I think to myself, Oh, I shouldn't have run out of work. I should have called this person before I left or I'll get emails on the weekends. And I feel guilty. I'm I'm answering those emails that are work related while my children are playing in front of me. And I feel guilty that I'm letting that disrupt my family time. Um, but, you know, I, I think that I try and keep the, the mount, mantra in my head. No one's perfect. And we do the best we can. and that's what I'm doing. I'm doing the best I can. And, um, it's, it's working out reasonably so far.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. And I think you bring up some, uh, an interesting point about guilt. Uh, I'm a mom and I work and can we just accept this is, this is our life and leave it at that without any emotional heaviness to it. Like this is what it is right now. And this is what you have to do. Yeah. I
1: not that Person. I wish I was. I wish I could leave guilt out of it. I think it's just hard in these, I don't know, and in modern times, so many more women are working and you have dual parents that are, you know, that have full-time jobs. And I just think it's hard. But I I think for anyone, yeah, who has a full-time job and trying to be a full-time parent. It's just kind of give and take. You can't be perfect at, at everything. It's a lot to try and fit in, but I'm still very happy I did it. I didn't want to miss out on this part sort of of the human experience for myself. And I knew I wanted to have kids. And again, I think I think it's nice for my children at least to to see me. And I, I like that they see me as like a working person and that I am really dedicated to my career and that I put a lot into it.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important. Do you have time for yourself? Do you have hobbies? I am just starting to break into hobbies. I actually
1: started taking piano lessons, which I'm very excited about and was really wow. fun. Yeah. Um, so I would say before that, though, no, I was taking absolutely no time for myself, which was hard. But I think it has to do with sort of the age of my children and how much you know time that they're requiring of me. Um, But now that I took a little bit of a step back um, and I'm still doing sort of the equivalent of full time, but I have an extra day, I'm I'm taking a little time for myself. So it's been
0: that's been very, very nice. And I'm much happier. Excellent. Good for you. That's fantastic. I'd like to talk more about your finishing your residency and when you first started off as an internist. Because if I do the math right, you still were relatively young when you started in practice as an internist. Did you have any feelings of imposter syndrome or or any fears that pet owners wouldn't take you seriously, like you look too young or, or the gender issue of, oh, she's a female? Did you run into any of that? I don't think so.
1: I do think that I had some of that during my residency um, with AMC, which I liked. I had a lot of autonomy with my caseload and I was seeing a lot of clients um, independently. And I did have a time or two where owners would say to me, I trust you completely, but I just have to say you're so young. They would say that they're used to sort of their regular veterinarians, their general practitioners who are much older and they kind of see something and they know exactly what it is. And so who's this kid that's sort of treating my animal? I think sort of the scariest thing for me was the fact that I was starting a new hospital as their only internal medicine doctor and I was new. So it it was a little intimidating, but I grew into it and I, I loved it.
0: So, at the hospital, you're young, you were new. You're in the new hospital, and you're the only internist. Were you scared out of your mind? <laughs> you said you were you felt confident coming off of AMC, but at still, this is you had all these factors there. Or, or were you like, no, man, I got this.
1: I think we were all a little nervous, even the people that were really experienced. Just you know, there there was a lot of sort of excitement slash anxiety in the air. Like opening a new hospital, is this going to work? Is this not? And we were opening the the second only specialty hospital in Philadelphia, apart from Penn. So it was kind of a big deal. So I think we're all nervous in terms of sort of, am I going to be okay? Am I going to know what I'm doing? I felt fine. I really did. Cause I think, you know, doing the residency and especially at AMC where the philosophy is like, at least again, it was when I was um, doing my residency, <laughs> it's such a long time now, um, but it, uh, it prepared me to be autonomous and have in your own head, a plan ideas and then if you want to talk to a mentor, a colleague, a friend about your plan, you always can do that after the fact, but I think you, you know, there's there's few scenarios where you're going to have to make a split second decision that's going to be a life or death thing. I would say most of the time at least for internal medicine, which is lovely. We're not dealing with quickly dying things like, you know, ER and critical care. We're dealing with these sort of chronic smoldering cases. You know, I I think I was anxious about being the only one. Am I going to get enough of a caseload? Are people going to trust me as as general practitioners since I am young and they don't know me? And are people going to refer to me? And I think that was scary. But in terms of like treating animals, I did feel pretty much like I I got this. This is going to be fine.
0: For our listeners who are just graduating and, uh, you know, few years out, what recommendations would you give to them if they're either, you know, coming out of vet school and going into their first practice or they are just finishing their residency um, in terms of how to handle the next chapter of their lives?
1: It's funny. So I I was part of a panel maybe two years ago now at the University of Pennsylvania. Like a few people went to talk about family and veterinary career balance. And I think all of us sort of said that at some point you're going to have a year or two where it's going to be hard professionally. Like, you know, you I think a lot of people think that you get out of vet school and they completely prepare you for life after vet school and your first job and you can go right out and start working or, you know, you're going to go into your internship and be fine and know everything. Um, and so I, I think that's unrealistic. I think everyone on the panel sort of agreed that your first year of working or your internship, it's going to be a hard year. And life, I think, is going to have to kind of take a little bit of a step aside at that point. I think that at least in the, the panel that I gave, um, I think a lot of the students were kind of um, maybe getting a little bit down or, or maybe receiving too much of a a down message about, you know, that after vet school, you know, you still have to put your life on hold and you still have to do a lot of work and, and reading. But I think, you know, what I would tell people is that you're doing a really great thing. You're in a very difficult point in your life, but there's definitely a light at the end of the tunnel. I think, you know, it it does take a little longer to get there, but you you know you do reach a stage after veterinary school however you pursue your, your career whether you go into you know a, a residency or an internship and then go into general general practice or you just launch directly into general practice you reach a state of comfort and initially you know you're looking everything up and then it really decreases you get a lot more comfortable and um, whether you've had a huge life with your family and you put it on hold a little bit and your spouse or significant other is sort of taking the reins, you'll get back to a point where you can have a, a very good balance and you can find it and, and you can make it happen. I think there's a million different ways to do this. And not everyone has to devote a hundred percent of their life to veterinary medicine. It's a wonderful career. I love it. I want to keep doing it for a very long time, but I'm also very happy that I think I've you know, I'm doing something other than that as well, be it a hobby, be it spending time with my children, that there, there are things to do outside of it. And it it does get easier and it, it can encompass a little bit less of your life if you wanted to.
0: We are just about out of time, but of course, we all have stories from the trenches. And I was curious if you had a story that you'd like to share with us, uh, a special story or a funny story uh, to leave us with.
1: I guess the the one most recently that I have it's not it's not really funny but it's a it's just a cool case that I'm really happy with is a dog that is only two who I met it was just a year ago the owner reminded me I met a year ago who I thought was absolutely going to die of immune mediated glomerulonephritis um, we didn't biopsy the dog we didn't know it was immune mediated at the time but. Um, it's a it's a female dog, and she had uh, developed horrible um, proteinuria. She had abdominal fusion and peripheral edema, um, and she was azotemic and very hypoalbuminemic. And I've seen so many of these dogs, and they die. And I told the owner that, and I thought she was absolutely going to die. And we sort of tried heroics, and we immunosuppressed her, and we put her on you know all of these protein reducing drugs. And it's really my first case. It was beautiful. She responded. It took forever, but she ultimately completely responded. And actually this last week, um, we rechecked her after she's been off all meds, all immunosuppressive meds, all um, kidney medications. Um, And it had been a month and her kidney values were completely normal. And mom was just like crying. She was so happy. I was happy too. It was just very cool that I've had so many failures in this. I know many veterinarians have too in this realm of diseases. And we finally got a win for like a two-year-old dog who I didn't think was going to make it like another week or two. So that, that made me really happy. That's the one that kind of sticking in my mind right
0: now. Excellent. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Ah, oh, <laughs> great. Well, Kara, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This was great. This concludes another episode of Scrub Chat, a podcast of sharing stories by veterinary professionals for veterinary professionals. Please remember to visit VetVance at www.vetvance.com and check out Zoetta's Commitment to Veterinarians on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to get more information about life issues such as handling student debt, reducing stress, communication skills, and reputation management. VetVance is also available as a mobile app on both Apple and Android devices. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at scrubchat at zoetis.com. We would love to hear from you. And please don't forget to share and review this podcast so we can produce more in the future. We are grateful to Zoetis for the support. Until next time, this is Scrub Chat.